0: How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo.
1: Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back. This show is really a fireside chat with my good friend Gordon Berger. And the reason why I invited Gordon to the show is because Gordon has over probably 50 years of experience in financial planning and asset management and also tax strategies, helping physicians in Canada. And I wanted to, you know, pick his brain a little bit so that we can have a very in-depth discussion about how physicians can properly plan their finances. And Gordon has agreed to give me a lot of his time so that we can have this chat. So we've had two episodes with Gordon already. This is our third installment and final episode with Gordon Berger. we're going to jump into the third topic, believe it or not, it's only the third topic. And this is a a topic that you've just mentioned taxes. Yes. We as how high income earners pay a lot of tax. Yes. And my, I keep saying this all the time. We don't have an accumulation problem. We have a distribution problem. Right. And the distribution problem is due to the fact that we have a huge tax burden. I'm going to ask you to comment a little bit about this and answer this question. And tell us a little bit about some of the tax secrets that you have learned throughout your time in dealing with high income earners.
0: High income earners, it's not that you make a high income. It's that you spend a lot of money. Because if you leave it, if you leave I would it, agree, yeah, for sure. If you leave it in your corporation and you don't invest anything in your corporation, then you're paying 10, 10% tax in your corporation. So if you don't take it, and let's say you take uh, uh, under two hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, it ramps up from like virtually no tax at uh, at ten thousand a year, at ten thousand a month or whatever. That's one hundred twenty thousand, and it ramps up to as I t- said before almost fifty percent. Okay, so it's it's a dis- it's not even a distribution problem; it's a spending problem, right? And the problem is if you live in a place like Toronto. you can't buy a shanty for a million dollars right right and um and the cars and the and you're driving and all the expenses insurance is more money life uh car insurance is more money and in a metropolitan area uh you know because you're likely to have an so that all compounds so the reality is it's like spending well a lot of us certainly in the early years you want to establish your lifestyle so you want that house. You may want a cottage, you may want a boat, you may, like, who knows? You, you want to take trips? First, we look at the corporation. I told you what the tax rates are for corporations. So if you're at a 26% level, 26.5, we have a compliance structure, and this is all about qualifying, okay? So I'm not saying everyone everybody qualifies because these are bespoke ideas, but I, here's where we look. We look at, first of all, given your age and so on, there are all kinds of things you can look at, okay? Corporately, like I said, you can look at health uh, benefit accounts. That helps. Deductible, not taxable, right? Even if you're working out with somebody who has a degree after their name at your gym, you can write on a health benefit account. You can write that off. Like there are amazing things that you can do. Then we have an elegant structure that takes your 26.5 down to 23 for a one-time cost of less than $10,000. So that's three and a half percent every year for the rest of your life. Unless, and I, the caveat is Revenue Academy can change anything, anytime, right? But, but they're compliant and usually most often if they're compliant, they can't, they can't, there's no penalties. There's no double tax. They just say you can't do it anymore. Number two, So as you build your uh, life and your financial future, there are things you can do. So we haven't talked about an IPP or a PPP. An IPP is an individual pension plan, which is funded, unlike your RRSP, it's funded by your corporation. So you can take money out of your corporation deductibly and put it into, it's really like a trust, a trust is an entity and so it's deductible to your corporation which is a good thing and not not taxable at this point in in, uh, in your IPP but there's a better model called a personal pension plan which is a PPP okay and it's just a little cheaper gives you a little more uh dexterity if you will in choices so if you're in an IPP uh basically the structure is you must make a, a payment every year if you're if you're in a personal pension plan a PPP you can actually go from there are two you can skip years number one which is I don't know that's a good thing but it's it's it, it's something that may uh, happen and may may be good for you but the other thing is there are two kinds of pension plans not to get uh, right down to it, there's a money purchase pension plan, which is what you have now that's an RRSP where you get to retire you take all your money and you decide what you want to do with it, you can either buy a registered. Uh, registered real estate uh, income fund, you can buy uh, a riff you can move your money into a riff uh, there, there are choices you have okay yeah if you buy an IPP then you're going to get a government type of pension which basically tells you ultimately how much you're going to get. Yeah. Even when it's a defined benefit. Defined, yeah, like, yeah. So there's money purchase and defined benefit. Yeah. Defined benefit actually tells you what you're going to get later. Correct. But then, but then there's the IPP, which is a defined benefit pension plan, but it does one other thing. So if you've been in practice 10 years or 15 years, we can actually go back and say well you had an rsp but you didn't have an ipp or a ppp right yeah. and so we do evaluation actuarial evaluation and say it's called past service because you didn't have you just had an rsp we can actually see how much money you can dump into a ppp yeah an avc account right and and then also it's like into the future You're going to be able to pay more money every year than an RSP, so you're going to have a lot more money. So that's like I call it elegant. It's uh, you're not in a rush to do that change because you you shouldn't do it before probably. There are different theories, but I say before 48 or 50 years old. Right. Well, me- I
1: have um, I have a podcast. I have a podcast on both IPP and PPP, right? So in IPP, uh, that that's the common uh, instruction. since don't do it before a certain age, 40 to 45. Yeah, exactly. And in PPP, there is really no age limit. Um, so I had JP Laporte on my uh, on my podcast uh, discussing yeah. that. So I'm really glad you did mention this because it is a good uh, tax tool that we can use right. at our disposal.
0: Correct. I want to talk about one other thing, which is trouble in the industry. So a lot of uninformed insurance agents, when you buy corporate owned insurance, they immediately put it into your, into your MPC, or if you have a holding company where you should be, where you're making investments. And the problem is the life insurance cash value can grow into that area that we talked about before, which is if you have, if you're not using 90% of your capital in your business it becomes passive income they don't know that so they just move it into your mpc and everything's good but it's not good it's good at the beginning because there's not a lot of cash yeah but later there's a lot of cash so if people have already done that because the advisors told them to
1: uh and they now have you know a coli corporately owned insurance
0: what is a mitigation uh, tool that can okay. deal with that later on okay so I'm not going to get into the intestines of the, of the operation. Right. But it, it depends on how long you've had it because there's a thing called an adjust cost base. So yep. that's the premium paid yep. and, and what the cash is in the account. And we have to do a calculation to see usually if you move it from one corporation to let's say a whole, uh, operating corporation, like an MPC to a holding company, yep. we can, we can do that without tax.
1: So. Okay? Uh, so from what you're saying, it sounds like the earlier you do it, the better.
0: Don't wait yes. till don't wait till there's a high cash value. No. And doctors don't have a clue and accountants don't have a clue. Honestly, they never look at it. Oh, it's corporate insurance is good. That's part of what I do. Right. Okay? You know, it, it, that's why we're
1: speaking with you today, Gordon, because you have these experience that most people don't. And uh, you have no idea how much I appreciate this conversation. Well, that's what those
0: are. you need to help you. So there you go.
1: Now, uh, uh, so I'm I'm uh, interested as to you know why you didn't mention um, high
0: cash value life insurance as a tax tool. Oh, I'm not there yet. Oh, you're not there yet. Okay. No, I was de- I was de- I was dealing with the uh, where it goes, right? not what okay. it is. Good, good. Okay. So in the proper corporation, right, where it's holding that policy. Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, just remember, it's just part of a diversified portfolio. Absolutely. It isn't, it isn't the portfolio, right? Yes. And there are two ways of doing that. There are two ways. One is putting a significant amount of money in a cash value policy and forgetting it, right? There was that oven, set it and forget it, right? <laughs> remember that. And and that's an incredible thing because it'll be there for you. Um, they're only the only people that actually sell cash value policies are some of the larger uh, companies in Canada. Yeah, right. Um, I would say the best ones are uh, Sun Life and Sun Life is because they're they're Remember, we talked about a diversified investment fund, where yeah. about 90% of your money goes their dividend rate has been over the last number of years higher than anybody else, because it's the oldest book. It's those investment tools. So it still stands at 6.25%. Uh, no, it's right? actually six now. Six, actually okay. six. Right. So there are a couple of people, a couple of companies that have restructured to get to that six. Yeah. But they don't have massive assets. Yeah. So uh, Sun Life has massive assets. Great West bought, well, they own, uh, sorry, uh, Power Corporation bought Great West, yeah. which they owned, Canada Life and London Life. Yeah. London Life had. The, the best dividend of those three companies, but when they put them together, they screwed up everything right <laughs> so it's now called Canada life those three companies yeah and that's what's happened happened in. Where the whole insurance uh, business has merged when I started 50 years ago, we had 177 insurance companies wow. now we, now we maybe have 10 yeah. Who are the survivors, but they're generally large, but there are companies like equitable or equitable, they actually have a good product, but they don't have the financial stability, right? But there are so the other thing is every insurance company's insured, or you're insured by all these insurance companies with insurance, assurance, company, assurance right? Yeah. Which, uh, which basically assures or insures your cash, right in the same way as a banquet, right? right? And people don't talk about that. So that's safety of capital. So I, I want to just maybe from your words explain maybe
1: in a few sentences why life insurance or talk about cash
0: value life insurance here, why is that a good tax tool? Oh, because all the money in there, two things happen if it's structured properly. Number one, when you put in money, so the first year, I'm going to use a stupid number, okay? So if, if the premium were a million dollars a year, and trust me, a lot of people do this, who have the wherewithal? Yeah. If you make a million dollars in your corporation, you can do a million dollars a year. Yeah. You take a million dollars out of your corporation, so you can have five hundred thousand left, because you're paying fifty percent tax, yeah. as we talked about before. You could do that, or or you could take the money and allow it to grow in your corporation, and when you die, it all comes out tax free. Okay, all of it. Yeah. So what is that the guaranteed cash value which grows about three percent guaranteed so when you buy a policy there's a page and it says this what you this is what you'll get every year so if the premium were a million dollars a year the first year it'd be worth if you got out three days later it'd be worth a half a million because the insurance company does have set up fees and everything uh, and they're insuring you for the future by year 10 this is how it grows you you make between year 10 and 11 and you make a deposit, a premium deposit of a million dollars, your cash value in that year goes up $2 million tax-free. And by the time that starts happening, there's no way you could take that million dollars anywhere, anytime, unless you went to a horse race and won, that you could outperform an insurance contract because there's no tax. Correct. Okay. The other thing that I've managed to do, if I may, is I manage. If you put a million dollars in your corporation, you want to you want to you need to live on a half a million. If that's the number we can actually take that million dollar policy premium policy in the corporation. And I have an elegant structure which is compliant, which allows you allows me to borrow money for you uh, the same million dollars but not taking it out of the corporation, just using the collateral of some assets, which is the insurance policy in the corporation to lend you a million dollars. Correct. You haven't paid any personal tax in that it's fully compliant. I don't expect anybody to understand this right now, other than to understand the benefit. You're no longer paying 50% tax. You're not paying any tax. So I just wanna give it a name. Is it okay if I give it a name, Gordon? Well, I, I, I don't like your name. Okay. <laughs> I like my name, right? So uh, again, any agent can come to you, but they but they don't have the wherewithal to service this kind of thing. And what, what Vu wants to say is it's basically called insured financial arrangement, an IFA. But that doesn't do what we do. I told you we return hundred percent of the money to you. But moreover than that, we have specialists on my staff that every year. Because there are dividend rates that go up and down; they're not guaranteed. The cash cash value is guaranteed, but not the dividend rate, as you said before, Vu. It yep. was six point two five. Now it's six percent. We have to readjust everything. Interest yep. rates go up or down. We have to we have to also readjust those on on the sheets that you get, which are Excel spreadsheets, which we described to you. But most agents don't have that because we built it. So. Yep. So we service our clients by every year because every year you have to write a check and we have to tell you why you're writing it and, and how it was good for you, right? And the tax savings and what you did with them. So uh, I, the reason why I wanted
1: us to give it a name, just so that people understand at least a name, and we're not going to go through that today because it's a very sophisticated uh, vehicle. But just so people understand, it's called an IFA. Don't worry, folks. We're going to talk about IFAs immediate funding arrangement in future podcasts. And this is a very sophisticated and advanced strategy to pay for your insurance premiums and still get the money back to use for other type of investment or purchases. So essentially by using an IFA, the premiums are paid for, but you get your money back. Again, don't worry about this. We're going to have an episode on IFA immediate funding arrangement. A lot of people say they do ifas out there but you have to be really
0: careful okay so uh, i don't call it an ifa yeah i call it a wealth creator good and the reason i trademark that is because it all is about only one thing other than large insurance you bought for your family yeah but if you paid a million corporately and i gave you a million personally that's no cash flow cost we're basically just playing with money right Yeah. and and so you have a lot of insurance, but you have something else. Correct. You took a million dollars out of your corporation, you had a half a million. Here I've given you a million dollars in your genes. Correct. Right. Right. So this is why this is why I say life insurance
1: is not an expense. No. Life insurance is an asset. Right.
0: So I just and want to say one thing if I can. Yeah. So you're going to take the you're you're going to actually take the tax savings and you're going to invest them appropriately. Exactly. Appropriately exactly yeah so we could talk about investments another time but yeah i think the best investment you ever make if you live in toronto is buy a house and live in it yeah right and we'll talk about how you buy that at some other time yeah so coming back to
1: the life insurance as an asset uh is people who say you know buy term investor rest don't understand the different things that could be done with life insurance and unfortunately uh, you don't know what you don't know, and all the opportunities are missed. And so this is one very sophisticated way to have your cake and eat it too. Correct. Correct. Okay. okay, so on that, let's go on to another tax question. Okay. Um, what and where tax havens still exist in Canada? We, we talked about one of them. Okay. So TFSA, we talked about TFSA. Yeah. Are there any other thing that uh, in your fifty years you've come across as like this is this is a good tax tool?
0: Okay, so there there are several there are several, um, and and very hard to discuss right now. But there are different kinds of tax plays that has served and and have been around for a long time. But with every with whether you pay tax or you this is very important. Whether you pay tax or you don't pay tax, there's always risk. So what does that mean? What that means for me is if you pay tax, you don't have the money to invest. And they're basically not only taking 50% of your money, they're taking 50% and sales tax and this tax and that tax, right? So so you're taking about 80% of your money. That's a risk. You pay tax, you don't pay tax. There's There's always some risk. So the wealth creator we talked about, that is a that is a compliant tax structure because we follow the act, so the mere fact that i'm giving you a million dollars you can pay some interest. you're going to have but $950,000 left you're going to take whatever you need you have hundred thousand dollars to invest you're now going to have an investment. That you never paid tax on and to get it into your hands, of course, as it goes up, depending on what you do with it. Right, but you can send your kids to, to private school because it only costs you no tax. So a dollar is a dollar, it's not after tax, right? You can send your kids to camp, you can buy houses, right? You can you, you can do whatever you want, but I suggest you invest it because that'll be your biggest investment in your in your life over time. I agree. Right. So you can do that. There's there's obviously TFSAs, TfSAs people don't use the right way. They put some stock in it, or you know, whatever you can do. What they call mortgage investment corporations, they're called MIX or mortgage investment corporations. Well, it's basically you can invest your RSP in and accelerate the uh, the growth in it. So there's some uh, there's an ability to do that. But with the TFSA, my my sense is you take something that on um, that it is on the higher end of risk for you, in other words, risk tolerance, and you put it in there because you say Hey, it may hit a home run. What could be Apple? <laughs> could Netflix. be Netflix, Netflix, right? Anything like that. Maybe a bumble. in. Right. <laughs> so there's no deduction going in and there's no tax coming out. Right. Right. So it's a huge score, right? So when you add up, and 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 there are more things like um, of course, there's the RSP, but the reality is if you're doing a wealth creator, which I call it. You're not paying tax. Why would you do an RSP? Yeah, I,
1: I stopped doing my RSP. Uh, right. I, do, I don't want the rift time bomb. So
0: I stopped doing RSPs. Well, well, and there's a worse problem now because you look, especially with the pandemic, there's a worse problem. And the problem is now because the governments, both US and Canada, are throwing money away. Billions and 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 the United States trillions. So what's going to happen? You're going to have all kinds of corporate increase in taxation, oh. personal taxation. You're going to have all of that going against you. So the RSP, which you think you're putting in now, and you're getting, let's say a 50% deduction because you're at the 50% rate. Yep. Well, when you take it out, it could be 75%. Absolutely. We, and there and will be something between 50 and 50. so you should be, you should have the money in your own hands. So to be able to do things, and you're not paying tax in the structure that I shared with you. And, and then, of course, there are investments that are tax-assisted, right? Solar, uh, solar, um, uh, wind, uh, all kinds of things like that. You have to be very careful, but they are. So I want to I want to tell you the best tax structure that I will share with you today please buy the biggest house you can if you're in Toronto with the most leverage I know that sounds stupid but the leverage that you can support in good and bad times so you have to look at two percent you have to look at 18 percent, because yeah. those are percentages that I've lived through right the 18 percent doesn't last for long it just cuts down inflation they try to beat it with high interest rates The low ones, which you're still going to be in for a couple of years, allows you to buy in. And uh, then you get into if you're buying a house and you're mortgaging it big time, uh, you're going to be able to at least buy the next five or six or seven years of uh, guaranteed interest rate, depending. You may want to pay a little more and take seven years or a little less. Uh, I wouldn't do variable, by the way. So if you're going for a mortgage, they offer you a very low um, rate on variable, uh, which is one point five percent or something. I think. I think today I I saw not 0.99 Yeah, no, it's great. Like different. Yeah, it's going. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, crazy, right? And fixed rates are anywhere between one point seven nine and probably two percent, depending yeah. on who you deal with. But they're going to go up over time. So, but there are two banks, if I may, that, and uh, banks are just another tool in my kit, which have a special plan, and what they and it's TD and RBC. And, and they work a little differently, but what basically what you're going to do is you're going to commit to a five like the five year guaranteed rate as as the monthly cost. But you have a choice of paying the variable rate 0.99% right for as long as you want, and then convert into fixed when you want, but the, but the monthly cost is the same, so what you're doing on variable. Is you're taking the difference between variable and fixed, and you're paying down the principal, right? But because you're paying the same rate, the same uh, premium every month, yeah. Interest, right? Right. So I, I like that a lot, right? Some of the banks don't don't do it, but if you can if you can stand that stress, then you're you're do you're basically you're paying off a lot of principal. But if you if you pay, if you buy a fixed rate, you're paying down very little principal, right? So that's a choice. That's for forced savings tax-free. So why leverage? That what is does? the next question. I know. So <laughs> why why should people uh-huh. need to get comfortable with leverage? Okay. So leverage is a huge thing. We Vu <laughs> and I call it OPM, other people's money, right? Yeah. <laughs> great it's generally known but a lot of people say oh i don't want that well if you're buying a four million dollar house and it's four million dollars i don't know if it's going up or down but in toronto over time it's going to go up um that's been my history for 50 years most of my money has been made believe it or not and buying the biggest house i can and leveraging it the most i can i can i know i can stay in the game so why is that so if you pay a million dollars for a house And you pay the cash it's all cash you're probably going to get 3% growth over time, however, if you rent the banks money at 2% and you have your let's say uh, $200,000 of down payment and $800,000 of debt. The first thing is, as you know, when you sell a principal residence it's the upside or capital gain is tax free and so you're getting all that tax free growth on the banks money not yours so the return looks like 15 to 20 percent on your two hundred thousand, because you're actually employing eight hundred thousand of their money to get a better return that's a game i mean you have to be careful but your doctors you have standardized income growing if you're working hard and you're you're expanding your practices or whatever you're doing so it's the, it's the right time to get into the market and everybody says oh it's too high now it's never too high never too low because there's a thing called market timing even with your equities market timing never works I've never seen it work ever I've seen it work where it was luck and as I said to Vu, but as we were talking about his kids before I said if your kids have a choice between smarts and luck take luck every time that's the only thing that makes people smart in the real estate business is luck where all the wind's behind you and not in front of you So leverage is a very important thing in certain areas and guaranteed leverage if you can have it. But you should always look at that, not with fear, but with opportunity, understanding the fear, the risk. Now, uh, thank you very much for
1: saying that. The reason is because, you know, as human beings, we don't like that in general. Right. And in general, physicians don't like that. And uh, everybody tells us we shouldn't have debt. I agree. I, sh- I should not have debt, but I should be able to use debt. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and so having debt and using debt are two different things. And people don't, it's a tool. Yeah, it's, so a tool. It's, it's just a tool. And people don't realize when they have a mortgage, they have debt. They know how to use it for a residential home, but they don't You know how to use it for anything else.
0: Exactly. Even buying businesses, nobody can afford to, when you're buying a business, you're hoping to make money. When yes. you're buying a practice if you have a specialty practice and you need MRIs, and CAT scans and whatever, like whatever you need, you're making major investments. Yes. Well, that's debt and it's deductible debt. So yes. that's the other thing. If you can make debt deductible, that's even better. Right? That's right. Obviously. So yeah, no. So the importance
1: of understanding debt, understanding the use of debt and being comfortable with that because it's, it's just another tool and it's just another form of investment.
0: Correct. That's all. It's a tool. It's a tool. And it has to fit with your with your mental outlook on on different kinds of risk. Exactly. But I go back to there's risk in everything you do. You just have to decide what kind of risk you want to take. Fair. Fair.
1: So let's let's do this last little segment, which I think hopefully will sort of get us started, get us, meaning I have a lot of people who are fairly early in their practice on my podcast who listen to me, Uh, maybe the five people who listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) In your wisdom, what would you say, you know, very general, if I want to start building security, I want to start building financial security, uh, what would you say, you know, what would be the step one, two, three, first few steps you must take to go on
0: that path? First thing is, we didn't talk about this, why incorporate? If you're actually making more money than you're spending, you should incorporate. Any, even your term insurance can be paid for in your corporation without any negative downside because death benefit is never meant to be taxed in Canada. So you may be paying 10 cents on the dollar of tax in your corporation, which means you have 90 cents left. If you own even term insurance personally and you're paying 40 or 50% tax, That means you have to make two dollars to pay one dollar premium that's very expensive right so and there are other things like that i'm just saying you you always have to look at why do an npc which was something the government wanted to take away from you guys and didn't thank god right well you know if you give if you give trudeau enough time he will well that's true that's true and they looked at it again we were worried about it not just for you but uh, now the real estate agents they have what's called a prec which is basically the same thing your mpc is a prec right they're allowed to do that so uh the first so the first thing is i i look at what the minimum things are to reduce your taxes okay that's important number two i say you have to look at either term insurance or if you if you have family money or whatever like i said everything's different you look at the kind of insurance you want to buy and the need you may even as a doctor have future estate planning or tax needs for estate planning because your family you know their inheritances, which we didn't talk about and taxes that come with that because you're going to grow that money so everything's different life insurance for sure disability for sure and like i said if you don't buy it first you lose right because later wherever you work they have a plan you're into you're you're going to integrate your benefit, not not stack it, right? You're a lot better, and that always happens if you don't plan properly. A will, will is very important. I'd say fifty percent of the people that I talk to don't have wills. You know who is more than fifty percent? Lawyers. Lawyers don't have wills, which is very funny. And that's probably the first thing I talk about, right? Wills. If you're in a joint practice, you need to have a buy sell agreement. Yes. Even, even if you go into a joint practice, because now it's hard to get young doctors. If you have a big practice, it's hard to get them in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a huge need for those doctors, right? So if they make if they offer you a partnership, you have to make sure there's a, a buy-sell agreement. Okay. got it. So things like disability, very important. CI, uh, depend. If I have a choice of selling insur- life insurance disability or CI, CI is the last thing I sell, okay? I would it's, agree. It's very good, right? I think you would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because that's just, that's the cherry on the whipped cream. Correct. So let me just
1: summarize what you just said, because I think it's very important. Step number one, incorporate. If, and you you said this, and I, I would disagree with you for just one thing.
0: Okay, sure, and if, go for and, it.
1: If you, and if you can correct me. So you said I would do, a, I would incorporate if I spend more, sorry, if I make more than I spend. Correct. I, I would just say incorporate.
0: Oh, okay. Period. Okay, because,
1: right. because strategically you've mentioned a whole lot of things that I needed a corporation for anyways, for yes. example, uh, the term insurance that you mentioned, the PPP that you mentioned, uh, the the life insurance that you mentioned, uh, oh, the, the wealth creator that you mentioned, all but, that needs all he, that needs a corporation.
0: Every, every one of those requires you leave money in the corporation, right? But even to your point,
1: even if I left no money in the corporation and uh-huh. I only bought term, right? I'd rather pay ten cents on the dollar than fifty cents on the dollar. Correct. So
0: here's what here's what a doctor is going to say to me. Yeah, Doctors just going to say, "Oh, how much is a corporation?" Yeah, and I say fifteen hundred dollars. Let's yeah. say. Yeah. Is that the only expense? No. Then you need an accountant to do a corporate statement and a personal ta- a tax statement and a personal tax statement. Correct. How much is that? Oh, that's two $3,000. Yes. Right? So that's why I say you have to look at everyone differently. Yes. I know what you're saying. I know you're absolutely correct. But I'm answering the objections that doctors have.
1: I, you know what? And I will say this right now on this podcast. Those objections are silly. Yes. 100%. Because the value that the corporation adds to your entire career and and financial security, that cost of let's say five thousand dollars a year. It's actually it's not even five thousand. It's three thousand five hundred because the fifteen hundred is just the initial one. So it's three thousand five hundred a year is mm. peanuts compared to the strategic things you can do with the corp. So it's a, it's a silly silly argument.
0: So I, I, I like to say I'm conservative yes. and aggressive. yes <laughs> conservative, <laughs> conservative on on the family and the, and the practitioner, yeah, right. and aggressive on tax reduction. Absolutely. So right. me too and, and this
1: is this is what I' found over the years in my journey in my journey. I, I, I like I was a doctor, I'm still a doctor, but I'm a little bit financially more uh, astute now. but in my journey to get here, I realized one thing. I don't have an accumulation problem. I have a distribution problem. Right, right. And right. and and my whole idea is how to tackle that right now. And so the second thing you said was uh, insurances. Build your foundation, which I think is amazing. And the third one is have a will because the will will solve a lot of your tax yeah. problems uh, at the end. So, uh, yeah,
0: but you have to look at the will. Yes, I had. A, <laughs> I, I had
1: <laughs> it's to... not it's not get it and and leave it type of thing.
0: It, that's right. like every five years like I see wills that are 50 years old, right and they said some, like I want to split everything with my uh for my kids to be equal. So the guy has three kids and the oldest one runs this fabulously wealthy company and the other two kids, one's um, divorced and married common law and 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 the other ones doesn't work at all. So the father let's say dies and mother dies because there's a spousal, there's a rollover in other words moving vests between spouses tax-free but when the second one of the last one dies the the kids are going to get everything what happens then is the biggest fight you ever saw which is the 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 kid who's running the business and everybody else is getting money from the business and then and and the kid who's married who isn't running the business his spouse says oh your brother's ripping you off Right. And you start a family fight. The other thing is cottages. Yes. Cottages (laughs) are the worst thing in the world that you leave for children. Right. Yes. So I'm just saying, you have to look at this whole thing and it needs experience because everybody thinks cottages are a great thing until you have one kid who can afford the cottage, the running of the cottage and the other one who can't, but the, but the one who can afford it is working all the time. and can't use the cottage. (laughs) <laughs> and the other and the, the other uh the other uh, brother or sister, they're at the cottage, right? So I'm just saying like, I've had I've had all these experiences. They're amazing experiences that I carry in my toolkit. Listen, uh Gordon, um you've given us
1: a lot of your wisdom today. I want to thank you. I like this, I don't know how to thank you. So thank you very much for, for spending that time with forward.
0: us. You just pay it forward, that's all. So thank you very much for this opportunity. You know, I'm there to help you anytime I can. Thank you very much. You're very generous and very generous with your
1: time today. Thank you very much, Gordon. You're Very welcome. Have a good day. Okay, well, that was the end of our third episode and our fireside chat with Gordon Berger. As you can see, he was a wealth of knowledge and experience and wisdom. I hope you guys enjoyed the different golden nuggets that uh, Gordon threw at us during the entire fireside chat. I think that was priceless and there was so much to unpack and learn. So this hopefully will be a jumping point for you guys to start looking at your own financial security and see what you need to do to make your own situation better. This is the end of our conversation, but I would like to take this opportunity to put a little plug for myself. As you guys know, I offer mentorship and coaching for personal finances, and if you do want to reach out to me, you can email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to spending time with you guys next time, and uh, adios for now. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial tax investment or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.